What a timely message. All my hope is in Jesus. Amen. All my sins are forgiven. All my yesterdays are gone. Amen. Wow. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, this morning we continue to look at uh, James chapter 4, verses 11 and 12 this morning. Uh, disparaging criticism of fellow believers. We said last week that there's some serious problems um, within this church. And we see uh, throughout chapter 4 here uh, the spiritual digression of this church marked in three uh, stages here. We looked at last week at the passion uh, for self-gratification and how the people in the first ten verses there in in the church now, he's writing to believers, he's writing to the church, how they had just one desire, and that was to please self. Well, this has led to the second step in that spiritual digression, which we're looking at this morning, where they begin to criticize one another and speak evil against one another. And then we'll look next week, beginning in verse 13, all the way through chapter 5, verse 6, with the final step and, and what it ultimately leads to, is an arrogant disregard for God. And that's the whole problem. And now, I can't stress it enough, looking at this book of James, that he is writing to believers. He, you would expect this kind of behavior out there somewhere, wouldn't you? You would expect this kind of behavior out there in the world, among non-believers. But he's writing to the church. He's writing to believers. And so there's some great lessons uh, that we can learn here today. Let me read verses 11 and 12, uh, and then quickly, whatever that word means, um, speak to you about these two verses here. You've learned that I can speak an hour and a half on two verses, right? If you're watching Wednesday nights, I spent about 45 minutes on two verses Wednesday night. Oh, me. Where you at, Jason? <laughs> So I don't know how long this will take, but we're going to say what we have to say and what God has led us to say about the passage, and um, then we'll move on. Amen? Hope you enjoyed yesterday. Hope you enjoyed today. Look what James writes here in verse 11 of chapter 4. Speak not evil of one another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judges his brother speaketh evil of the law and judges the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? Some pretty strong words there, isn't it? James is issuing this exhortation here once again, dealing with speech. Throughout the book, he has dealt with the issue of the tongue, uh, several times in chapter 1 he dealt with it, chapter 3 he deals with it, here again in chapter 4 uh, he deals with it, and here he is speaking to one, uh, describing a person who is totally devoid of humility. You remember last week we talked about humility back in chapter 4 verse 7 where he says to submit yourselves to God, which is to humble yourself before God, to let God have his way in verse 10. He, he closes out that section with humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord once again. So he's got the bookends of humility and sandwiched in between that are the other five commands that we are to obey and that we are to follow. 
And so here when he says, says to speak not evil of one another, he is speaking of a person who does not exhibit humility. Listen, a true believer who has a close intimate relationship with Christ will see themselves as God sees them. How does God see us? He sees us as forgiven, but what are we? We're sinners, right? And there is nothing within us that we can do to earn or deserve the grace of God. It's not anything that we are. It's who He is and what He has done for us through Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross. And when we come to that realization, it can do nothing else but humble us. It should not puff us up. Hey, look who we are. That was the problem of the Pharisees. We're God's chosen people. Look at who we are. We've got the law. We've got the temple. God's not going to do all of these things. We're highly favored. But when you see what Jesus has done for you on the cross, it should bring you to your knees and humble you. And as we said last week, make you weep and mourn over your sin. And thank God that our yesterdays are gone. Amen? It's His grace and His mercy. One writer said, The critical spirit is a proud demon that expresses his thoughts through the mouth of a willing person. The critical spirit is a proud demon that expresses his thoughts through the mouth of a willing person. Look what James says here in verse 11. Speak not evil of one another. The idea here of speaking evil is to find fault with one another. To find something wrong with one another. It's literally to speak down to a person or to slander a person uh, here. And the form that he uses here, he uses a negation in the Greek. Uh, and it's the strongest. When you study Greek, you'll find that the phrase that he uses here is the strongest negation that can be used. You go to Romans chapter 6, verse 1. What does Paul write there? He says that, uh, should we sin more so that grace may abound more? So that we might have more grace. If God bestows His grace on us as sinners, when we seek His forgiveness, then the, the people were saying, logically, if we sin more, then we get more grace. What did he say in verse 2 of Romans chapter 6? God forbid... It's the same type of negation. It's the strongest negation. May it never be, is what he's saying. And so it, it's the negation here with the present uh, tense imperative, which indicates that this is going on in the church. And what he's saying here, speak not evil of one another, is really not strong enough. He's saying, don't do that anymore. Stop doing what you're doing. And so it's a very strong negation that he uses here. Now, now, now sometimes <clears throat> we make judgments of a person's theology or a person's character. And, uh, you know, if, if they pro profess to be a believer and they're not living like a believer, then I think it's all right that we can just, and to judge it, we're going to look at it in just a minute, it means to make an evaluation or to analyze and um, I think that's okay. But what James is talking about here, he's talking about that little group 
that gets over in the corner and they begin to whisper among themselves and they begin to pick out somebody in the congregation that they have some issue with that they don't like something about, whatever it may be. And they begin to talk evil about them and speak evil about them and say things that are not true to slander that person. Now, James says that should not happen in the church. I went to a church one time, and Sissy, I know exactly what I'm talking about here. But um, it was a little different here because I was a member here and a part of you, so we didn't do this here. But what I have done in past churches when I've gone kind of in view of a call, I will meet uh, with the church like a Friday night or Saturday night or whatever it might be and do kind of like a testimony kind of thing and uh, then allow them to ask questions about who I am, my theology, what you know, I'm about, those kind of things. But y'all sort of knew me when I, I came here, so we didn't have to do that, right? Some of you regret that decision. No, I'm just teasing. Don't answer that. But anyway, uh, after all of that, yeah, <laughs> I forget about that. Uh, after all of that, um, we were meeting in the back for a little fellowship, a little time of fellowship, and uh, these four women approached me, and they said, I'm so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so, and we are the clique. And I kind of went, oh, okay, and kind of laughed, but I found out about six months later they weren't kidding. They weren't kidding, and I'm not going to go into a lot of details about that, but it was not a very pleasant time. This is what James is talking about. Not only did they come after me, they come after the youth pastor as well. Watch out, Joe. But, uh, and, I, and I don't say this boastfully, um, but they ended up leaving the church because they couldn't have their way. And they were used to having their way. And James here is talking about a group of people that get together and they begin to speak about one another and slander other people, God knows the truth. And you and I only perceive the truth many times with people, right? And we don't really know what's going on in their life. And they may say something or do something that we question. And if we're not careful, we can get off in our little groups. Did you hear what so-and-so said? Did you see what so-and-so did? And that, as James said, from this little member called the tongue, can start a great fire in the church. I read a a commentary uh, yesterday on this passage, um, and I won't say his name because you'll be familiar with him, and I don't want to make you think anything wrong about this fellow because he's a great preacher. But he was talking about when he was in seminary that they had a missionary, guest speaker missionary, come into the chapel service and speak at his seminary. And he said that uh, the guy just bombed. He just did a, a, a terrible job. And so him and some of his theologues were meeting out there in the little hallway um, after the service and was talking about how bad the guy did. Just, it, I thought he was a good preacher. He just was terrible. And, and I don't know if I can sit there and listen to that anymore kind of stuff. And this other student come up and said, do you know what the man's going through? And they said, no, we don't. They said, well, just about an hour before he got up here to preach this morning, he got a phone call from his wife who has terminal cancer and is not expected to live much longer. 
but got a call that their youngest son was killed in a car wreck. So you see, you don't know what people's going through. And, and I just, when I read that um, this week and thought about that, I thought to myself, I don't know if I could have stood in a pulpit and preached the Word of God under those circumstances. So when we criticize people and speak evil against other people, we need to consider we don't know what they're going through. We don't know what they're dealing with. We don't know what's going on in their life. We're just looking from the outside and making a judgment based on what we perceive to be an issue when in reality, God may be doing something totally different in their life. And we need to understand this as well, that we are speaking evil of someone that is created in the same image of God that you and I are created in. And God loved that person just as much as He loves you and me. And He sent His Son to die on that cross for the sins of that person just like He did for you and me. And so James is saying here, not to speak Evil of, it's the idea of a, a harsh, critical attitude towards someone always finding fault with someone. Do you know people like that? Sadly, we probably all do, don't we? Always finding fault with someone. Paul equates that with the reprobate mind. Go back to Romans chapter 1, verse 28. All the way through chapter 2, verse 2. Here's what Paul is talking about. He said, And even as they did not like to re retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. In other words, to do those things which are not godly. And then he begins to describe them here in verse 29. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, <coughs> wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, whew, despiteful, proud, boasters. Look at this. Inventors of evil things. As if there's not enough going on, they're making up their own, right? Disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death. Look, they know the judgment of God. But they commit those things. They are worthy of death. Look at this. this. This part of the verse blows my mind. Not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. They know the judgment of God, that they're worthy of death, but they have pleasure in keeping on doing it. Keeping on doing it. Then look what he says. Chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judges. For wherein thou judge another, you condemn yourself. For thou that judgest does the same things. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. Only God has the authority to judge. And God judges according to truth. You and I judge according to what we perceive to be the truth. And so our judgment is based on a perception of the truth. What we feel, what we think, how we feel about someone. 
And we make these evaluations. And James says, don't do those things. If you speak evil of your brother, your fellow Christian, what are you doing? You're judging your brother. And you're speaking evil of the law. And you're judging the law. But if the law, if thou judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge of the law. As I said earlier, the word judge here means to analyze or to make an evaluation of someone or something. So our, our purpose as believers is, is not to uh, judge other people. Our purpose for a negative evaluation of a person should be constructive and not destructive. If a brother or sister is erring from the truth, straying away from the principles of God's Word and His law, we make an evaluation of that, right? We don't go around behind the, the, the door and start talking about that person. What should we do? We should go to that person. And we should remind them of whose they are. But many times, and sadly it happens all over in the church as well, we don't do that, do we? We don't do that. And James here is saying, don't do those things. Why? When we do that, uh, the, we see the pride of the person manifested here, and it's manifested here, first of all, because he's placing himself above the law. It is a breach of what James called earlier the royal law. Go back to chapter 2, verse 8. James says, if you fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture, what is the royal law? Well, he tells us right here. It's Leviticus 19, 18. Look what he says. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's pretty simple, isn't it? That's pretty simple. Don't raise your hand, because I don't want to be embarrassed, but does anybody in here hate themselves? Don't raise your hand. Like I said, I don't want somebody to go, yeah, I do, because uh, then I wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> but we don't hate ourselves, do we? We love ourselves. And so James here is saying, if we do that, we're placing ourselves above the law, and we're not a doer of the law we're not being obedient to the law but we're judging the law what are we saying god there's something wrong with your word now it may be here that james has in mind uh, leviticus 19 18 if you go back and read 19 16 he makes a prohibition there against slandering against slandering your brother and then when he gets to verse 18 he says you're to love your neighbors yourself it's pretty interesting isn't it when jesus was asked what's the greatest commandment what did he say he said, well, basically, there's two. You love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul, and then you do what? You love your neighbor as yourself. What else did Jesus say about judging? Don't judge lest you be judged yourself, and the same measure that you judge with, that's going to be back on you, right? And James may have all of that in mind here when he's speaking these words here, but what he's saying here is do not judge, <coughs> because when you do that, you're placing yourself Above the law, man's duty is not to be a judge of the law, but to obey the law. 
What does the Lord require of us? To be obedient to what He's called us to do, right? And if we are speaking evil of one another, and, and there again, let me just throw this caveat in there. That, as far as I know, is not happening here. Amen? I'll just see how many of you are going to agree with me on that, uh, and then I'll know who to talk to. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> now, I, you know, when I come to a passage like this, and I start saying these things, you know, what goes in my mind is what I think goes in your mind or some of your minds. You're saying, well, who's he talking about? <laughs> who's that? He's, well, I'm not talking about anybody. I'm just telling you what the Word says, okay? And the Word says we shouldn't do that. And it's a, a strong negation. No, no, never do that. Don't ever do that. Stop doing that is what James is saying. It is going on in this church that James is writing to. And I pray that, uh, that it never goes on in this church. Amen? I, 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 you know, there again, I, I knock on wood, things have been going real great. And let's keep them that way. Amen? And so this is what James says. Our duty is not to judge one another, not to judge the law, but to obey the law. To do what the law tells us to do. And he says here in, in, in the royal law is to love your neighbors yourself. Listen, if we are in a, a, a love relationship with Jesus and we love him just a smidgen as much as he loves us, we can't help but love each other, right? If you don't know what a smidgen is, I'll give you my Georgia dictionary after, after the sermon. Uh, is that a North Carolina word? Y'all use it? Y'all use that? Okay, so it's sort of a good word then. Weren't quite sure after I said that. Y'all understood what I was saying. But anyway, not to judge one another. What were they doing back in chapter 2, verses 1 through 4? Doing the same thing, weren't they? My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons? For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and you have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, the fine clothing... And say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place? And you say to the poor, Stand thou there? Or sit under here under my footstool? Are you not then partial in yourselves and are become, look at this, judges of evil thoughts? And so it's not the first time that James has addressed this issue in this book. And he's saying here that we should not judge one another. When we begin to speak evil and we make judgments against a brother, we slander the brother, we are then placing ourselves above the law. We have become a judge of the law. Look what he says in verse 12. He just really drives the point home right here, doesn't he? There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? In other words, who do you think you are? You're not God. Stop playing God. And so he's telling us here that when we do this, we're placing ourselves above the law and we're attempting to play God. We think we're God. We think we're up there. And we replace God on His throne. That is the problem in the world today. Not just in America, which is a big problem in America today, isn't it? To remove God off of His rightful place of authority. 
and to put man up there. And um, I'm, I'm not going to get into this again because I, I kind of hit it the last few weeks. But you and I as believers, as Christians, we better be praying every day for God to intervene in our country and in our leadership of our country, federally, locally, all of our leaders. As I posted yesterday, you know, if the country's not led by God and founded on the Bible, then we're doomed, right? And you and I, you say, well, I'm just one person. I can't do much. No, but you can pray. You can pray. And I don't know. I've I've read several things, heard several things. I'll go chase a little rabbit here for a minute. You know, I, I don't know all the facts about this pandemic. I mean, you, you read all kinds of things about it, and you get all kind of differing um, stories on it. Is you know, are the numbers skewed? Are they as bad as they are? Uh, you know, should we wear a mask, not wear a mask, distance, all those things, you know, that you hear. And it doesn't matter who you read. If you read two different authorities, you're going to get, what, at least three different opinions. They must be Baptists, right? Uh, you're going to get different opinions, right? On those things. Because some say the mask does more harm than it does good. Others say you're doomed if you don't wear it. So what are we to do? What are we to do? And, and I'm not criticizing you if you are or if you ain't. I'm, I'm not. So that's why it said on the thing they're optional. And uh, that's up to you. Um, but you don't know what to believe about those things. But what I do believe is this. Maybe. Just Maybe. God is using some of these things, and God can take evil and use it for good, right? And however this thing started, I mean, there's been several different stories on that as well. Uh, however it started, whatever you believe about that, and, you know, all of those things are irrelevant right now. Maybe God is using this pandemic to get you and I as believers, as the church, as the called-out body, To recognize our total dependence on Him and Him alone. And if that's what comes out of this, praise God. Because I think, and some of you have been in this world longer than I have, but I've been here a few years myself. I think this country has become too comfortable. God has blessed us beyond measure. The most powerful nation in the world. People are coming here for a better opportunity. Right? I mean, that's what it was founded upon, right? And God has blessed us beyond anything we can think. Maybe we got too self-sufficient. Maybe we got too... Independent. Relying on ourselves. Look, 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 look what we've done. Look how good we are. Look at all this stuff we have. Look at all this stuff we've done. And God says, wait a minute. <laughs> Hold on. Let me remind you where your blessings come from. Let me remind you who's still in charge. And and I don't know if that's what's going on or not. Sometimes I think it is. 
maybe, just maybe, we should get serious about serving Him and worshiping Him and depending on Him. And that's going to have to start with you and I, the church. Because if you turn on the TV, what do you see? You see a bunch of people running out in the streets and doing all kinds of crazy stuff, right? Who have no regard for God. You and I better take a stand. And so what James is saying here, getting back to James, there's one lawgiver. He's the one who is the right has the right to judge God and God alone. William Barclay said this. He said, to judge another is to take to ourselves a right to do what God alone has the right to do. It is to take to ourselves the right to do what God alone has the right to do. And he is a reckless man who deliberately infringes on the prerogatives of God. Woo! He's a reckless man who infringes on the prerogatives of God. In other words, when you try to play God, you're playing dangerously. And God has a way of getting your attention. And so this is what James says. He is able to save, and he's able to destroy. He's the judge. So who are we to think that we can judge another. But you know what the great thing is about this? As we shared last week, there's the opportunity to repent. I mean, you go back to chapter 4, verses 7 through 10, those seven things, let me just read them right quick like again, because they are very important in the book of James. Look what he says. Submit to God. Give him the authority in your life. Resist the devil. Here's the promise. He will flee from you. Right? Draw near to God. Draw near unto him. And he will what? Draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. We said that's the external and the internal here. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. He's talking about over your sin. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to heaviness. And then there it is again. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. And what will he do? He'll lift you up. He'll lift you up. I believe this morning that God will turn away his wrath when we truly repent. Now, I don't know what you're dealing with, what's going on in your life this morning. But I trust that you will seek him today. And if there's anything in your life that you can say has replaced God on the throne of my heart, won't you humble yourself before him and bow before him and submit to him that is Give it over to Him and let Him have His way. Let's pray together. Father, we bow before You today. We come now thanking You for this time we've had to share Your Word. We thank You for these that are here. Father, I just uh, pray today that You would take these words, that they would not fall on deaf ears, but, Father, that You would use them for Your honor and Your glory. 
Father, that we would truly, once again, as individuals, as a church, and as a nation, Father, we would fall before you and humble ourselves and seek your face. Father, we would allow you, once again, the rightful place of having dominion and control over our nation. Father, we just pray that you would begin with each of us as individuals. That we would restore you to the throne of our heart. And Father, we would allow you to work in us and to work through us. And Father, we ask all these things in the name of Jesus and for his sake. Amen.